0: So friends, we're gonna continue this week in our series in Esther made for this moment. And today we're going to be in chapter four. Chapter four is kind of the crux of the story. And verse 14 is probably the key verse in the entire book of Esther. So even if you don't end up reading the entire book of Esther, at least read chapter four and you'll get a great idea of what's happening through the whole story. It all comes together. Friends, I wanna open with a question today. Have you ever come to a time in your life when you had to stand up for what you believe? Where you had to take a risk? Where you had to get really out of your comfort zone? And even though standing up might cost you something personally, you were willing to do it. You were willing to be courageous. Friends, that's what Esther is called to do this morning. I was reminded of a story from the old Soviet Union days back under communism before the the fall of the Berlin Wall and all that happened back in 1989 and 90. Uh, There was a small church of Christians and they were gathered together to worship and what they were doing was not legal. And as they were singing together and worshiping, all of a sudden a group of soldiers came in armed with rifles they came into the church doors and they left the church doors open and the commander of that unit of soldiers said to the christians who were gathered there they said any of you guys who are christians you need to stay in this place right now any of you guys in this room who are not christians you are free to leave i'm giving you the choice if you're not a christian you can go ahead and leave But if you are a Christian, you must stay. And as you know, which you can imagine in in the kind of pressure cooker that moment was, there were a number of people in that room who got up and left. And there were only about 20 or 30 devoted Christ followers who said, come what may, we're gonna stay. And so they decided to stay. And when the last person had left, the soldiers closed the doors the communist uh, soldiers or the, of the Soviet Union, they took off their hats, they put their guns down and they said, we just wanted to find out who the real Christians were, now let's worship God together. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Very similar thing happened to Esther. She was called to be courageous at a critical moment in time on behalf of her people. Uh, this week in Esther, uh, she must make a life-altering decision, a decision that would not only affect herself, but for all her people, the Jews. Last week, we saw in chapter three that there was a hate-filled leader, a political leader in the Persian empire. He'd risen all the way up to number two, right uh, under the authority of King Xerxes himself. His name was Haman, and Haman was an a descendant of the Agagites, the Amalekites, who was a tribe that had ancient enmity with the Jewish people. And Haman hated the Jews. And when Mordecai would not bow down to Haman, when everybody else would, Haman was filled with rage filled with hate. He tried to destroy the Jewish people and Haman devised a plan to get the king to sign a decree that would authorize the annihilation, the extermination of the entire Jewish race in the Persian empire at the time. And so Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin, and he was a pious Jewish man dedicated to the Lord. Mordecai heard the news and he began wailing. This is in Esther. Chapter four and verse one, it says, when Mordecai learned all about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. Friends, this is a lament. And last week we talked about what a lament is and how when somebody is so torn up emotionally over the unfairness, over the injustice, over the tragedy of something, They cannot help but let their emotions spill out with loud crying and wailing and lamenting. And so there's Mordecai, Esther's cousin. He's lamenting and wailing at the gate. And then it says in verse four, when Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. See, that's the thing we have to remember about Esther. She's been queen about five years now. She has been in the palace tucked away from the rest of society. She doesn't know about the coming persecution of the Jews. She doesn't know about Haman's hatred for them and his plan to destroy them. Esther is is doesn't have a clue what's going on and Mordecai has to let her know. So she saw Mordecai, she saw that he was deeply disturbed and wailing and lamenting. And so she tried to cheer him up. It says she sent clothing to him to replace the burlap but he refused it. Mordecai refused the author. She's still unaware of what's going on. She tries to send clothes to cheer uh, up her cousin. One question I might have was, why did Mordecai not accept the clothing? Why didn't he just uh, accept the comfort that he was trying to offer her? Mordecai was lamenting at the gate. He had come to help esther identify with and care about the plight of her people and it's not the time to go shopping it's not the time to get clothes no clothes are going to fix this situation the jewish people were in dire straits they were on the verge of annihilation and mordecai had to let esther know about it so now esther's disturbed in verse 7 it says then esther sent for excuse me verse 5 esther sent for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant, she ordered him to go down to Mordecai at the gate there of the palace to find out what was troubling him. Why was he in mourning? And so Hathach went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate, trying to find out. Esther basically asking the question, Mordecai, cousin, what is going on? Why are you wailing and weeping and lament? Is there anything I can do to help? And this was Mordecai's reply to her. Mordecai told him, who was the eunuch, the messenger, told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay in the royal treasury. Do you remember the elaborate sum, 375 tons of silver that Haman was willing to put in the royal treasury just to fund the extermination of the entire race of Jewish people? That guy was committed, and Mordecai somehow Uh, found out about who was responsible, that it was Haman and how much money he was willing to commit. And so Mordecai gave Hathach a copy of the decree that was issued there in the capital city of Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He also asked Hathach to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and to plead for her people. Now, this is interesting. This is a change in perspective because Before, do you remember Mordecai had instructed Esther, his younger cousin, said, Esther, when you go into the palace and you're in this beauty pageant contest to see who's gonna become the next queen of Persia, don't tell anybody about your racial ethnic identity. Don't tell anybody you're a Jew. That will hurt your chances. But now that Esther's become queen, now that five years have passed, and now that there's an emergency Esther, I want you to come out of hiding and I want you to tell the king who you are and you go to plea on behalf of her people, right? Before it was okay that Esther just try to assimilate into the larger culture to keep her safe. But now that many lives are in the balance, it's time, Esther, for you to step out. It's time for you to go to bat on behalf of your people. Now, isn't it interesting Esther's reply to this? Um, And and I want to give you a quote by an author named James Baldwin. Uh, He's writing in terms of racial reconciliation and racial injustice. And James says this, he says to to the person who's reading his book, he says, if I love you, I have to make you conscious of the things you don't see. You see friends, sometimes God calls us to speak the truth and love to somebody. Sometimes people have blinders on when it comes to the reality of a situation and they don't even see an injustice or something wrong or unfair when it is happening right underneath their nose. And it's not very loving just to hide it from them. It's actually the more loving thing to do to say, you need to be aware of this. So if I love you, I have to make you conscious of the things that you do not see. So Mordecai not only wanted Esther to see the reality of what was happening, your people are on the verge of being destroyed, Esther, but Esther, it's now time for you to come out of racial, ethnic hiding, so to speak, and identify with your people and go intercede for them with the king. Now, here's another thing, the message back to Mordecai, which Esther says. Uh, I, I think this is interesting. So Esther says to Mordecai, all the king's officials, Mordecai, you may not be aware of this rule, but this is what I'm dealing with, even as queen. I mean, you think I can just walk into his presence. I can't. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court, without being invited, that person is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king, Mordecai, I've I, I just given you reality where I am right now. The king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. I don't know what happened between them, but they hadn't spoken to each other for 30 days. So Hathach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Interesting, You notice that Esther doesn't just step up right away and say, oh, Mordecai, well, if it's time for me to take a risk and step up on behalf of my people, well, I'm just ready to do it. I was ready to do it the whole time. I just needed the go ahead from you to go ahead and say yes. That's not really what happened. Esther is hesitating right now. And I don't know if you understand what she was going through. First of all, she argued she had no business, she had no right to approach the king at this time. She could be killed. And so Esther, scared. She, She stands to lose everything personally if she goes to the king. All the power and the privilege that Esther had built up over the past five years, all of that could be gone in the blink of an eye. Do you understand what I'm risking, Mordecai, if I have to do that? So instead of saying, yes, I will go to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, Esther says, I can't do it. I could be killed for doing it. And look what Mordecai says in reply. He says, Esther, it's time for a reality check. He says, Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you're the queen of Persia, but you're also Jewish. And this decree is for the destruction of all the Jews. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed you're gonna be killed right along with them, Esther, queen or no queen. And that, that's a, a, a pretty big reality check right there. Uh, and then the next verse is great because then there's this hope that, that he comes in and he says, Esther, maybe this is why God allowed you to be queen. Back in the day when you were chosen to be part of the harem, to be part of the beauty contest, Maybe that's why God allowed you to be taken. Maybe that's why God allowed you to win the king's favor with your beauty and your character. So that five years later, when this dire emergency happens where the, the whole Jewish race could be wiped out, maybe God is allowing you to be queen for this very moment. If, and he says to them, and this is where the providence of God comes in. Mordecai says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. Mordecai had enough faith to believe that God had another way of saving his people if it would not be through Esther. Mordecai says, Esther, I think God put you on the throne for such a time as this. But if if it isn't uh, you that's going to be the savior of your Jewish people, I believe that God can raise up another way and another person to to intercede and uh, be able to save the jewish people if you're not going to esther god will raise up somebody else but just think about it esther you've been queen now for five years you have the favor of king xerxes he's issued a terrible decree he's not going to change his mind unless somebody that he really cares about influences him to change his mind so now Esther's had time to think about it. Mordecai sends her the second reply. And Esther, before she was hesitating, she was only thinking about risk to herself, her own personal well being. I could lose my life. I could lose everything in this moment. And instead she said, But wait, what about Mordecai? What about my family? What about all my Jewish brothers and sisters and, and the whole race? That God has chosen to be his people. That God says someday he's going to bring Messiah into the world through the Jewish nation. I need to do my part to step up and take a risk on behalf of my people. So Esther says this in reply. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. You know, whenever the Jews fasted, it was always accompanied with prayer. You don't just fast. Fasting means going without food. In fact, you guys know this because in our English um, language we have the word breakfast, right? And but if you if you separate that word, breakfast means break your fast. In other words, you you're eating again after not eating for a while. When the Jewish people would fast, they would often accompany it with worship and with prayer. If you wanna see a great example of somebody who was fasting and praying on behalf of his people, go to the prophet Daniel and read chapter nine. There's an amazing prayer where Daniel intercedes on behalf of his people. In fact, Anne Graham Lotz this week says, friends, Christian, family, we need to be praying the Daniel nine prayer on behalf of our nation, the United States of America at such a time as this. So Esther decides that she's gonna overcome her fear, overcome her sense of personal safety and security and said, that's not what's most important to me in this life. There are other things that are greater than me uh, just trying to save my own skin. John Wayne talks about courage and he puts it in real simple terms. John Wayne says, courage is feeling scared and saddling up anyway. In this case, For Esther, it's not just to help her people, excuse me, it's not just to help Esther herself, it's really to help Esther's people. So, this is where we are. So, Esther gives us a wonderful model to follow. We can follow in Esther's footsteps when you think about an injustice that's going on in the world, when you think about people who have a great need or somebody whose life is in danger. How can you follow the model? of Esther? Well, one of the things you can do is, number one, you have to do what Esther did. You have to calculate the cost. You remember Esther's first reaction? Aha, uh-huh, I'm not willing to risk my own life for this. And Mordecai said, you're not? Are you really gonna try to save your own life and allow the entire Jewish race to be wiped out? Esther, do you really care so little about your own people? Is the love in your heart for them so small? No. So." Mordecai allowed Esther to think about her decision and she had to calculate the cost. She was going to risk her own life. Number two, it's time to set priorities. What's more important than your own personal safety? Well, how about the safety of the entire Jewish people? I think when all the soldiers and the servicemen and women who've ever had to go into war on behalf of their country, like Back to the United States when we fought, were fighting the Nazis and fighting the Japanese in World War II, American men and women were going into harm's way, not counting their own lives as so sacred to them that they wouldn't risk their own life on behalf of saving the nation. They risked their lives, many of them gave their lives, the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of saving the American nation. And in this case, Esther says, I've got to risk my life to save my people. Number three, another model for uh, us to follow from Esther is, is Esther needed to make sure that she had prepared well for the meeting. If she was really going to go unannounced into the king's presence, then she needed to know that she had done everything she could spiritually to get ready for that moment and to pray to God that he would go before her and work upstream while she was fasting and preparing to get King Xerxes' heart ready to receive the message that she was going to give him. And so she gathered support and she said, it's not just enough that I fast and pray by myself. Mordecai, I'm going to ask you to talk to all the Jews in the city and I want you to fast and pray with me. I'm going to talk to my servants, my quote, handmaidens, and I'm going to ask them to fast and pray with me. And everybody's going to fast and pray together. And then after three days, this is going to be the moment. And we're not going to talk about that moment today. We're going to talk about that next week. Next week comes the victory. This week is all about counting the cost, being willing to risk your life, and then fasting and praying and saying, God, I need your help. I need you to go before me and knock down the obstacles of the enemy. I need you to prepare the king's heart so that when I speak to him, he's ready to receive what I have to say. And then number four, determine a course of action and move ahead boldly. Esther hesitated at first, but she overcame her hesitation. It's what I always like to say. I said, and sometimes it's self-defensive when I say this, but... I've said this to Lisa my wife sometimes when she asks me to do something or she tells me some news or she says there's something that I need to take care of and sometimes my very first reaction is not so great. And what I like to tell her or to remind her is, is I said, well, Lisa, wait, look at the whole picture. Don't just look at my first initial emotional reaction. Look at my second reaction after I've had time to consider it, after I've had time to think about it, after I've had time to calculate the cost and to solicit God's help, then I'm more willing to go ahead and do the right thing. So sometimes if you speak to somebody about doing the right thing and they don't react in the right way right off the bat, give them time to process it and think about it and come back to them again and see if the second decision can be better than the first decision, amen? So one more perspective here, just thinking about Esther, thinking about her position of authority, her position of power, her position of privilege, and yet look what she was willing to do on behalf of her people. Esther stood in solidarity with the oppressed. The Jewish people were in the minority. The Jewish people were being persecuted. The Jewish people were on the verge of being wiped out and annihilated by this evil Haman and whoever else he got to go along with him to hate and to try to kill all the Jews. So she stood in solidarity with her people. Esther determined to speak up and she would not stay silent. You know, uh, there was some philosopher, might've been Edwin, Edmund Burke who said this, it says evil flourishes when good men do nothing, right? Sometimes staying silent is complicity with evil. Sometimes not speaking up for the oppressed and the downtrodden is complicity with going along with their mistreatment. Sometimes God will call you to stand and to risk yourself, your reputation, your power, your privilege, your authority and say, I have to risk it all because what's happening to this pe- to this group of people is so wrong, I need to do whatever I can to make it right. And then Esther accepted the risk And the result, because you remember what she said in this next verse here? She said, I want you guys to go ahead and pray uh, and fast. I'm going to do the same. And then I'm going to go to the king after that. And then she says, and if I must die, I will die, right? If I must die, I must die. And so she gave that final word to Mordecai. And he went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him friends, that kind of leaves us at the cliffhanger. It leaves us in a moment where we're going to say, okay, so what happened? What happened after the three days when she went to the king? What did the king say? How did he respond? It's a wonderful story, and you're going to see God's invisible hand behind the scenes at work to make the right outcome for the salvation of the Jewish people. That's called God's providential care and protection of his people. And you're gonna see that in action when we meet again next week. In the meantime, I wanna talk about a, a principle here. John Maxwell wrote a book about 20 years ago, and it was called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. In one of those laws, he calls this one the law of sacrifice. And he says for a leader, he says, if a leader wants to go up in authority, if a leader wants to go up in position and and spiritual influence in the in Christendom in the in the Christian faith a leader must give up if that leader wants to go up. Sometimes you don't get to where God wants to take you without sacrifice. That's certainly what Esther was called to do. Esther put the needs of her people above her instinct for self-preservation. Do you know who did that for us? <laughs> That was Jesus. Jesus totally did that for us. And so the takeaway for you and I today, friends, is where might be God calling you? Where might God be calling you to give up your time, your resources, maybe even risk your reputation in order to help someone else in need? Where might God be calling you to stand up for an injustice, to stand against oppression, to stand to make things right and to, and to help repair something that is broken in the world around you today. If God is calling you to do that and you prepare yourself spiritually, you're going to see a result, something like Esther. So be like Esther this week and be willing to stand up for what is right and against what is wrong. Amen? Do you know the person who risked it all on behalf of saving other people in need is Jesus himself. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul says this, that talking about Jesus and his humility, it says that Jesus, though he was in very nature God, he said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to. He wouldn't give up his position, he wouldn't give up his authority, he wouldn't give up his place on the throne of heaven with God the Father. And he says that instead of that, when he looked down on humanity, dead in our transgressions and sins, estranged from Holy God, in need of reconciliation, in need of somebody to step in and be the mediator between God and man, Jesus stepped up and he humbled himself, He made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant. And after Jesus did that, it said that, and being found in a man, Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Friends, the ultimate example that we have of somebody who gave up his life on behalf of other people, who shows us what loving your neighbor as yourself really looks like is Jesus. And if you are ready to give your life to follow Christ, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I want your forgiveness. I want your new life. I want to know what it's like to be in a right relationship with God. I want to be free of the guilt and condemnation for all the sin and the wrong that I've done. Lord Jesus, I want you to come and be my savior. If you're ready for that decision, It happens with a prayer. A prayer is just a conversation with God. So I invite you right now to bow your head with me and let's talk to the Lord Jesus together. Dear Lord Jesus. Today, I need you. Lord, I believe that you came to save people like me. And Lord, I thank you for giving your life to pay for my sins. Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to give me a new life and a fresh start. Help me to follow you. Lord, help me to keep growing in my faith walk. And Lord, I ask that you'd show me how, show me through your Holy Spirit to give me the courage so that like Esther, I can live and stand up for what is right in the world around me today. Lord, give me the courage when it counts. I know that I can't do that on my own. I need your Holy Spirit to fill me and empower me. And I ask for that today. Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for that power that enables us to do beyond what we would be able to do on our own. To to give us courage in the moment when we most need it. Lord, we exalt your name and we worship you forever. God, thank you for hearing our prayers today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.